Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? As the Olympic Winter Games of Beijing conclude, NBC put its efforts in perspective as it completed a second Olympics during the COVID-19 pandemic with teams in China and Stamford, Connecticut at NBC Sports Group's headquarters. NBC Olympics executive producer and president Molly Solomon breaks down the people, feeds, and miles it took to present nearly 3,000 hours of television. I thought for context, I wanted to put together some numbers to share with you so you can better understand our efforts. Uh, we have 1,600 people working here in Stanford, and our NBC Sports headquarters, it feels a lot like an international broadcast center in an Olympic city. And with the Olympic city of Beijing being 13 hours ahead, day is night here, and night is day here, and day is night. So um, we also have uh, 600 teammates based in Beijing, production, engineering, and operations. And many of those people are play, taking on multiple jobs, playing out of position to help us pull off these 2,800 hours of competition. And our reporters, you know, frankly, have taken on even more responsibility because they are our eyes and ears um, for our production, and many of them are doing double duty. And, and the complexity of what we're doing is also kind of mind-boggling as we toggle back and forth across 6,800 miles. Um, here's some stats for you. We have 203 HD feeds coming from China to our NBC Sports headquarters, and we've got 101 feeds going back to our IBC and our venues in China. And then how about this one? The figure skating announcers and pictures travel under the Pacific three times in order to get on the air. So that's 20,000 miles in seven-tenths of an experience of a second. So an extraordinary job by our engineering and operations team. During a conference call in the midst of the Olympics, Solomon, NBC Sports Group Chairman Pete Bavacqua, and host Mike Tirico discussed the experience, so you'll hear some references to events that happened during the Games. Here, Solomon credits the Olympic Broadcasting Service for its partnership in providing compelling angles to NBC and fans at home during the pandemic. Closely affiliated um, relationship with OBS, the Olympic Broadcasting Service, and we depend on them even more during a pandemic. So we work really closely with them, and they're providing pictures at a number of our venues. And if you watched Alpine the last few nights, I mean, the severity and steepness of the till, I think they're doing a really remarkable job covering the Alpine venue, with you said, like the, the rail cams. And then have you seen the aerial of the um, of the extreme sports venues when you see in the distance the, the uh, moguls field to what, what they're saying is the best half pipe ever. So it, it's been, I think, really extraordinary coverage. And imagine that OBS is experiencing the same thing that NBC is trying to get folks into the country in the middle of a pandemic. So the fact that there has been no drop-off in the coverage is kudos to, to OBS. And as you said, you know, there's there's so many. I can't list them all of the enhancements that we've added, but the slow motion in Alpine and also at figure skating. We've also 
got this amazing new tracker which shows how high in the air the um, figure skaters go on their jumps and how far they jump. So we'll be using that in enhanced replay sequences. But um, overall, we are ecstatic over what both OBS and we've been able to pull off um, in the face of a pandemic. While OBS provided the pictures, Solomon says NBC's broadcasters and operations team stepped up in Stamford, providing analysis they couldn't have shared in the confines of an Olympic commentary box. We've gotten really good at this. We've been doing this for two and a half years because of the pandemic, and um, you would always love to have your announcers on site, um, but we had to pivot like it, we do every single day um, w- with all of the headwinds that we run into, and we made the decision in January to um, ensure the integrity of the broadcast, so we pulled our play-by-play and analysts home, but we made sure that we had uh, reporters on site because it's most important to talk to the athletes and, and cover breaking news, and we have um, we have cameras at every single venue in the mix zone, but, um, you know, it's... It, in the beginning, you know, you're, you're, you wish you were there, but I think we've done a lot of really neat things with the fact that we've got all of these announcers together. I don't know if you watched the Alpine coverage last night, but Ted Ligety and Steve Perino were in a studio in Stanford, and they explained how sharp the blade of an Alpine ski is, and they, they cut up uh, watermelons, papaya, and Ligeti then opened a bottle of champagne. And that's something that we couldn't have done, you know, in a small commentary booth, you know, on the hill in Beijing. So we have made the best of these circumstances, and actually I think it's enhanced the storytelling. Solomon credits NBC Sports Group's executive editor and senior vice president of production Olympics, Joe Jessu, as well as NBC Sports Group's VP editorial, Ron Vaccaro, for the geopolitical context provided by NBC's coverage of this year's opening ceremony. It was an extraordinary moment, this nexus of sports and international relations. And going in, we, we promised ourselves and we thought it was essential for the viewers to provide perspective on China's complicated relationship with the rest of the world. And it was really essential to set the stage for these games during that ceremony. And, and we really accomplished that and, and we're incredibly satisfied with how we pulled it off. And imagine in, in the moments when we found out that the cauldron lighter um, was from Xinjiang. And, um, you know, kudos to, to Mike Chirico and Savannah Guthrie to frame that moment, to connect it to all the other um, perspective we had provided um, throughout that ceremony. That's real-time television, a live opening ceremony. And, and I thought they did an extraordinary job of of presenting that moment. So incredibly proud of the team. And as Mike said, we can't say enough about the people behind the scenes who prep all of us and our experts, um, in particular Joe Jeshu and Ron Vaccaro, um, who also worked very hard. Um, We did extensive interviewing to find the right analysts and experts to join us on air. So we really appreciate Jing Su taking time off from Yale and Andy Brown from um, Bloomberg um, to to really help us frame the moment. So it it was um, an important night for NBC Sports um, and NBC Universal. Tariko echoes Solomon's sentiments and explains the importance of being in China to start the games. It was important because it was part of the story. You know, uh, we, we can't hide from what is a part and essential to the coverage of the story. I think we try to make a very fine 
delineation between becoming a public affairs broadcast and how did it impact the Olympics. And certainly where we were and who was there mattered. That's why you know, Molly and Pete both thought it was really important that I was physically there for the opening ceremony. And I'm so glad I was. I mean, uh, Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin were 25 yards away in the stadium. You could just get a sense of the history of the moment by being there. And we spent a lot of time getting ready for these games and what it meant, not just to the sports fan, but what it meant to the world in general. Um, I'm very, very proud of my alma mater, Syracuse University, and love that my journalism education was there. But I had a dual degree. My other degree was political science. You can ask any of our NBC News colleagues when our paths intersect. I wear them out talking politics and all, all that uh, is about international relations in our, in our world. So this was something that's of deep interest to me. And boy, do we have great experts in Andy Brown and Jing Su, who are experts on China and remain with us as needed for our coverage the next couple of weeks. And obviously, Savannah is as good as it gets. So to have her there as well, uh, we hopefully address the issues that matter. You know, you'll never satisfy everyone especially in our country in 2022. So people may say, oh, you talk too much about politics. Oh, I want a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. That's what the opening ceremony is. The opening ceremony is always this incredible mix of politics and what the athletes are wearing and celebration and party. It's really this very unique catch-all event. And we try to bring that to folks and at the same time spend the time Thursday on the issues that really impact America and the athletes of the world as the spotlight was on China. I'm really, really proud of not what I did, but what our team did. Our editorial team spent hours, Joe Jeshu, Ron Vaccaro, a couple of names that don't get mentioned, but tireless work that we all did to make sure that we did what we thought was the right thing to do to set the table for American viewers. And I hope, that the conversation inspired people to spend more time on international relations. We live in a very complex and amazing country, but man, there's a really interesting world out there and a very interesting time. And uh, the Olympics helped open my eyes and educated me. I've done more international-based reading than I have in years. And uh, it made me realize that we are at a unique time, and it was an honor to share some of that. And I'm really proud that under Molly's leadership, we got to go ahead to tackle these issues and be straightforward and honest with our viewers. You know, we, we wanted to come back, so we want to be honest with them, and hopefully we did the right thing by them. Hosting the first few nights in the host country, Tariko describes living in the Beijing bubble. Being over there was very interesting. Being in the bubble meant you truly were separated from one of the biggest cities in the world. Uh, you would pull up to the hotel, uh, and a fence would close behind you, and you were, that hotel area was fenced in. Same was true at the broadcast center. Same was true at the venues. So the bubbles, you can go in and out of the other bubbles, but not mix in with the 21 million people of Beijing. And for me, I think for any of us who have covered Olympics, that's what you miss. You, you miss being around a host city. I, I missed um, you know, sitting in Rio and having coffee and being able to speak with, with the people who live in Rio de Janeiro. And same thing in South Korea, be able to eat kimchi there and, and get a sense of what it's really like. I missed that in Tokyo a little bit and missed it completely in Beijing. And uh, that, that was, for me, the disappointing part of 
this experience for sure. Uh, but I, I will I will say, and I you know we can always give teammates credit, but the people who are on the ground working for NBC, Molly gave you the numbers before. What an extraordinary job they have done. Many of them have been over there for over a month. So uh, to be over for two weeks and in the bubble and not be able to really just go for a walk outside uh, when you'd like is a small inconvenience to the sacrifice of a month or two months that they've made. And uh, I'm eternally grateful to my teammates who are over there in that regard. We'll give Bavakwa the last word as he explains how the lack of fans in the grandstands has impacted live television across all sports. He also looks forward to the next three Olympic Games in France, Italy, and the United States, while noting how the Tokyo and Beijing Games have dominated the media landscape, comparing ratings to that of Sunday Night Football, primetime TV's number one show for 11 consecutive years. When you think about the fact that we're holding these games during a pandemic, that the Tokyo games were postponed for a year, which kind of threw off this cycle, that we've had two Olympics within six months of one another, that despite the fact that these have been unbelievable events for these Olympic athletes who train their entire lives and in the vast majority of instances only have one shot at Olympic glory, and at the end of the day, you know, that's truly what the Olympic ideal is all about. But it's no secret that athletes in masks, venues without spectators. So much of the passion and excitement, those great moments of Olympic athletes hugging their family and friends and spouses and partners, so much of that magic is just out of necessity, not present. And I like to think about, you know, just think about the 2020 season for major leagues, whether it's the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, golf, versus the 21 season. And I think the NFL is a perfect example. Look at the difference in NFL ratings in 21 compared to 20. I think one of the main differences is because in 20, we didn't have the passionate NFL fan base in those stadiums adding to the atmosphere. And we did our best out of necessity. But this year, those fans were back and the ratings showed that. So the fact that we've been able to bring these games to life during a pandemic with only a six month window between the two. The ratings are, of course, we always want to have the ratings better, but you know, the ratings for this game, as I said, are about where we thought they'd be. But why I'm energized is because think about where we're going. Think about Paris and Italy and LA. And you know, knock on wood, not just for the Olympics, but for the, for the sake of all of us, hopefully this pandemic is well behind us by then. We have those spectators back in these venues bursting at the seams. We have those passionate family and friends and athletes without masks hugging each other and celebrating these Olympic achievements. You know, we have our eye on that normalized future coming back into focus as we work our way through this pandemic. So that's why we're hopeful. And despite having two Olympics in six months during a pandemic, the immediate dominance of these games is still unparalleled. Tokyo, we in effect had 18 Sunday night, 17 Sunday night football games in a row. This year, I mean, we are dominating the primetime landscape again with the Olympics and layer on top of that the Super Bowl. So, hey, we're always, you know, we're never going to rest on our laurels. We're always going to try to get better, smarter, and do the best job we can. But we are 
we are certainly hopeful that we can turn this pandemic corner and get things closer to where they've been in the past in terms of ratings. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. And find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V dot com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.